0: Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the science and the screaming to determine the best movie for any given year. I am your intrepid host, Greg. Greg. That's right, Droppad. I am Greg. This season, of course, we are focusing on. 1988, a chef's kiss, kiss of a year. Tonight, we will be talking about Beetal Juice, so I'm very excited about that. Joining me is my best friend and current champ, Ryan. That's right, Drop Pad. It's our good buddy, Ryan. How you doing?
1: Man, I uh, I, I, thought that today I would get like a little political with yeah. my intro speech, because after being the champ so many times, it's hard to think of new things to say. Yeah, uh, But I'll just say, you know what? Uh, politics are going on right now. You
0: can't deny you got to admit. Yeah. If you don't think politics are going on right now, I have to disagree. Also joining us is Taylor. That's me. And I have to say, politics, not happening. Not going on. They're not going on. I don't see any example of that. No, I've not seen a single politic. We do a lot of talking about pop culture. We occasionally talk about sports. Never politics. No, we would never. I don't think there's a person in here who knows who the president is, was, or ever will be. Nope. I think, um, what, like William T. Ford? That sounds like a good one. That, sounds was, like, that was one. Sounds like a good non-fash leader, right, Ford? <laughs> he, seems, he seems great. Him and Charles Lindbergh just doing nothing that needs to be remembered. Exactly. In the yeah, 30s and right? 40s. Absolutely nothing. Like It seems like they're just great guys. Just had a good time. Just having a, a wild time. Hanging out, holding political beliefs that I think we are all comfortable with. Absolutely. Walt Disney, throw them on in there. Thomas Edison. Put them on in there. <laughs> Put all these Put cats all in there. Put in there. I think they're great. But we are not talking about 38, of course course. course we're talking about 88 and you literally cannot talk about 1988 without talking about beetlejuice
1: guys had had you seen beetlejuice before ryan i assume yes holy shit greg watching this movie i realized that i never i'm i'm out forever like it's it's time to bury it because i have the entire thing memorized Uh not just the dialogue but like the camera work like it is in my brain apparently this and i wouldn't expect it because it doesn't start with a G, uh-huh. Gremlins, Ghostbusters, Goonies—those are the movies from my childhood. It's not Geetal Juice. It's not Geetal Juice, and don't ever call it that. <laughs> but uh,
0: that that word makes my skin crawl.
1: It's, and I don't know if it was like if I'm going to be harsher on it or like I'm going to be too defensive because yeah. this movie is in my DNA.
0: All right, Taylor, had you ever seen this movie before? Um, when I was, I think, like five years old. I saw this movie. As a, a five-year-old. As, as I, I was a very young child mm-hmm. when I saw this movie, and I have not seen it since. So this was a, 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 a wealth of piecing things together. I was like, oh, <laughs> I rem- this is what that thing I remember is. Uh-huh. I remember the big sandworms playing yeah. a much bigger part yeah, when you're a kid, I think those make a huge impression on you. Yeah. You watch this movie as an adult and you're like, oh, they can't even show these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they didn't have the time to do this.
1: You don't you think that sandworms are uh, much bigger and that there's way less Harry Belafonte, but it turns out no, it's there's as much as you can possibly jam in a movie.
0: It's all worms and all Belafonte. What now looking at it with the sort of eyes that we view all these movies with, what would you say is like the quality of this movie? is this a is this a good movie? It's fine.
1: I think that it is a movie with great ideas. Yes, yes. And there's some very strange decisions that keep it interesting. Uh huh. Both from like a uh, idea right. point and a storytelling point. But then there's also some creakiness yeah. that I did not expect to notice. Uh huh. Like maybe even just because I've seen it so many times, I didn't. I thought that my eyes would just glaze over the stuff that like. It was a low budget movie. It was with a real n- a new director. There's
0: moments where I thought they might have intentionally been been playing off of extremely schlocky like sci-fi movies. Okay, because well, it was so see, low budget, which makes
1: this- sense because the director. Like I think he, but he was probably forced to do it, and then decided to lean in, as opposed to like choosing to do it. That's
0: what it seemed like to me, that they went like, oh, you know what would be a good aesthetic for this? Really cheap movie, because this is going to be a really cheap movie. The thing I noticed this time that I never noticed as a kid is, and maybe I'm being picky, or maybe it's just something that was like up my butt while I was watching this, but the sound in this movie is a nightmare. Mm -hmm. The room tone they're getting on these sets is so awful, and so clearly they turn to Danny Elfman, and they're like, we need a lot of music for this movie, and he's like, "Okay, so when there's two characters just talking about what happened at school, I'm gonna have a soundtrack that's like, bam, boo, bam, bam. I'm gonna get like yeah.
1: 14 yeah. violins, <laughs> wee, woo, wee, woo, and also I'm bah, not bah, even gonna record it. I'm gonna put the violins in the back <laughs> in of the, the scene.
0: Room. It, like the soundtrack of this movie was made by the organ player from that I think you should leave sketch, where <laughs> he's, just, he's just like smashing plates <laughs> and like whatever."
1: Damn.
0: But it's like Danny Elfman's like I want to use everything that's ever been used in an orchestra in every second of this score. Even when we're just doing establishing shots of the house, yeah. I want it to be like weep wop weep wop. And wah, I think there were multiple awugas in this movie.
1: <laughs> that's a I mean that is a both Burton and Elfman so definitely the two of them together sort of trope. Uh, uh-huh. They want it like so much music. It's basically an opera. Yeah. the entire time.
0: Which is okay towards the end of the movie I think. It's just in the beginning of the movie when you're still trying to learn who these two people are and there's like major symbol all the time. <laughs> I was at the beginning of the movie, I was like who are these people? Because I didn't remember that the movie was about people who die and become ghosts. Yeah. So, like, who the fuck are these people? And also, why are they giving each other presents on vacation? And why is there vacation at home? Explain yourself. The
1: first 10 minutes are, in a movie that has, like, uh, a ton of weird ideas and weird effects, the first 10 minutes are some of the weirdest minutes of the movie.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to get in real deep on these issues and more. But first, what I want to do is I want to take a little look at 1988. And specifically... I want to talk about some of the real cool people who were born in 1988. Mount Rushmore! People have proposed that we build a mountain to celebrate the greatest people ever built in 1988. And we're going to call that mountain Mount Rushmore because that will be very clear. So
1: the only qualifications of this is that you're born in 88, right? And that you're still young, and please don't be old and be born in '88. Yeah, that's, that's gonna make me throw up. That's, yeah,
0: that's gonna gross us out. Also, you have to be like iconic. So these are like the real heavy hitters that we think of when we think of who was born in '19. Like, imagine if we
1: went from '87 to '89. Yeah, who, uh, who, not being born would have the biggest difference on 2019?
0: Who would, we, who would we miss? So you will pitch them to me, and I will decide whether or not they are right, or I'll get very angry and perhaps storm out. I'm trying to cut down on the amount of times I storm out during the show because I think it's getting... It's it's a lot. Yeah. And Plus, you're the only
1: one who knows how to stop the recording, <laughs> so it's all in real time. Your fits are all... Like, we have to stand here and record while you're outside pouting.
0: If you storm out one time, people are like, oh, damn, he's re- really upset. If you make it a habit to storm out, people just, like, take out their phones and wait until you storm back in.
1: Plus, the only way that you storm out is by doing the worm, which really sure. lessens, like, the impact of it. I think no, tonight I think it, it, it makes I think sense, it
0: though. I think tonight it definitely... Do the sandworm? Makes sense do the sandworm (laughs) man how was that not a hit 80s (laughs) come on between between the sandworm between this movie and dune that should have been everywhere
1: dune sandworms were all the rage
0: (laughs) all right ryan you are the returning champ i want you to go first who belongs up on this mountain
1: of 88 babies i think it's very clear okay that the (laughs) that the most important person born in 1988 sprained to all fields politics which i guess don't exist uh sports everything it's rihanna Yes. There Whoa. would be no yeah. society today if Rihanna was not here. Uh, here's the thing. I, I was going to be
0: furious if you didn't pick Rihanna getting first pick. And yeah. I'm a little upset that he got it just so that I can't. Now, I'm not allowed to give two spots to one person. <laughs> you are. <laughs> but it, it's your rules. If I, I'm not allowed to because of an internally consistent rule set that I have to operate by. Otherwise, my programming will fail. <laughs> but if I could, I would probably give it to her. I didn't know that. She was born in 1988. Yeah, and now I'm way more impressed with 1988. Yeah, good job, (laughs) year. This is a a long time. This is a race for the slam dunks. Both Beetlejuice and Rihanna were conceived in (laughs) 1988. (laughs) Crazy, right? Well, of course that goes right, right up on the mound with a skadoosh Skadoosh to skaboot. I think you could tell that they both came out in the same year based on how often Beetlejuice said, "I'm a rude boy."
1: And the amount of forehead they both have.
0: <laughs> Could you imagine a world How in which you? all you had to do was say Rihanna's name three times and she would appear? <laughs> oh. She would be in near constant transit. <laughs> she would never appear anywhere because she was always getting whisked to a new location. Uh, yeah, Rihanna, don't don't create that. technology. Don't operate under those rules, Rihanna. Don't create that technology. That's a figure, little so. tip from your friends here at Pop Filter. All right, Taylor. All
1: right, I who do a, you got? I'm, and you can't say Rihanna. I I yeah. know that I can't, and that's me away, and I inside. know that you
0: won't, and that's what I appreciate. <laughs> oh, it's 50/50 so I, 50, and, so, will. and so I can't say. He wants now. you so bad. Right you so badly. He's finding it very hard not to say. Uh, I want blood you so badly, but I also want to win. So I'm going to throw another slam dunk on there. Okay, and it's Adele. Adele was born in Adele 1988. was also born Adele in was 1988?
1: also born in 1988. Wait, Sarah Frozen
0: Adele Nazim? Yes, Adele, Adele. Adele, Adele Nazim <laughs> singing her hit song from the Frozen soundtrack. Adele Adele so Adele Zim uh is going up on the mountain. I like it's Adele. Yeah. Like one of the one of the other huge music acts that came out of nineteen eighty eight. I that's not what I that's not what what I meant. Adele's a good one. (laughs) Adele's a good
1: one because Brianna, we had she could be like immortal for all we know. We have no idea when she was born. I do believe that there's some
0: vampirism going on there. But
1: Adele we know exactly how old she is because she lets you know with every album release. Yeah. So we've been keeping track of that Hey there, time.
0: I am 32. <laughs> it's, it's the same reason that I know that we missed Taylor Swift by one year. <laughs> oh, what a shame. Well, Adele Dazeem goes right up there. Oh! Congratulations. Your sound alike was born <laughs> around the same time. Ryan, two spots already filled, two spots remaining. Who do you got? Okay.
1: Um, I'm going to keep the lady train to give going. to Taylor
0: his point. Yeah, give me that point, yeah, right? Sorry about that. Uh,
1: I think that it is our, we don't have stars anymore. Okay? No. We don't have like actors who. We do have garters. We do have garters, yes. They hold our stars up. But if we were to still have stars that blended the like the talent and the bankability and the amount that we love them, I think that it would be Emma Stone. God damn it! And I think Ooh. Emma Stone <laughs> should go <laughs> right on this mountain. Are
0: you keep taking all of my other top picks. Now, do you think The Fault is in our stars? I do, yes. I mean, there's more in your philosophies. <laughs> there's more in like the philosophy, Here's your the philosophies, thing, right. is I'm very excited to put yet another Asian-American actress up on this mountain. <laughs> What's her last name?
1: N.G.? Yeah. yeah.
0: She will never live that down, and I think that that's very appropriate. <laughs> yeah.
1: When, when she... Cameron Crowe never hears about it. No. The person who wrote and directed the movie.
0: No, but when Emma Stone yelled out, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> At the Golden Globes. Yeah. <laughs> Please forgive me. At least she apologized. I just wanted a part. We're still waiting for Scarlett Johansson and uh, Tilda Swinton to apologize. Yeah, there are a million other actors and actresses who have done this same thing, but she just yeah. like stands for it. But
1: they played characters who were whitewashed yeah. by the filmmaker.
0: Not someone who's actually supposed to yeah, be Yeah, her
1: character was like had an Asian last name and was half Asian. Yeah.
0: Well, love Emma Stone. Right. And she'll be made of stone once she's carved into Mount Rushmore. That's a... Greg. Point for Greg. All right. <laughs> <laughs> One these wacky DJ Morning Radio antics are how we... Get her, done. get her done. All right, Taylor, can you get her done? All right. Now, I feel like those were the top three immediate on the mountains... And there's a couple of others that I think probably could go We're in, May- we're go in on maybe here. country right now. We're in maybe country, that. and that's why I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for someone who I think should be in another universe. She would be up at that level where she's a slammy D. But I think she deserves a spot, and I'm gonna put Haley Williams of Paramore fame right here on the mountain. Oh, come on! Come on! What are you talking about? It's Haley Williams. <laughs> <laughs> fucking asshole. Dare you? Wait, that means
1: that it's not even on the maybe pile. How
0: dare you. No, she could
1: be on the maybe pile.
0: <laughs> what do you think I just Williams? like using my buttons, everybody, okay. okay? If you had these buttons, you would use them as well. Also, I wouldn't use them that way on, on Haley Williams, of all people. That was a bad answer.
1: What? All right. I'm going to go with what Taylor, uh, what I thought Taylor was going to say, who, based on how the mountain looks so far, now I think is a Slammy D, okay. even though we're in maybe speed around. It's Lizzo. Lizzo oh! was born in 88.
0: Here's... Here's why I didn't pick Lizzo. Because you're a dum-dum. Because I don't think Lizzo is quite at that same level as those as others. As Haley th-
1: Williams from Paramore. Yes!
0: People know Paramore. My, like, my mother knows everyone else who has been a slam dunk on this mountain.
1: Oh, uh, The criteria for all Mount Rushmores <laughs> for sure. My
0: mother doesn't know who Lizzo is. And I think Lizzo is finally and that's on becoming Lizzo. famous. But I don't think Run. that she's been that mm. famous that long. What are you doing? Shut your Fucking face. <laughs> you fucking asshole! Right. How dare you? A
1: couple. Can I get a couple of? Oh
0: no! Here, I have one. Okay, I, it's upsetting that we're not putting on the mountain, the mountain from Game of Thrones. Oh, okay, that's a pretty good one. Half Thor Julius Jornson. Uh huh. He's he so was, big and beefy. He was born in 1988. What a big beefy boy! Who? Uh, give me some other now perpetual maybes. Skrillex. Oh wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tiffany Two, the world's o- oldest cat, who died in 2017. <laughs> R.I.P. kitty. I love you. Casey Musgraves? You know what You know what that kitty said as she died? <laughs> Bury me with my money. You don't have any money, puss. <laughs> All right. Ryan, what are some maybes you could throw out?
1: Uh, I wanted to do a two-headed uh, going out shout-out to our other podcast with Melissa Benoist and Rose McIver from Supergirl oh, yeah. and nice. I Zombie. And then we know that everyone born in 88, they were their legends, their soldiers, their warriors. Or used to be Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. Both from 1988.
0: (laughs) The Splash Brothers. I love it, but I am very comfortable with the people I have elected to put on my mountain. Ryan, tell the people the
1: mountain. They've won. Well, Taylor, what was your get on there? Mine was uh, Adele. Adele. So our mountain is Adele, Rihanna, Emma Stone, and Lizzo.
0: What a great mountain. I'm very excited about that. When we come back, we're going to have ourselves a little conversation.
1: From the director of Pee Wee's Big Adventure... Adam and Barbara are ghosts.
0: What's the good of being a ghost if you can't frighten people away?
1: Their house is being haunted by the living. Maybe the house could use a little remodeling. And they can't scare them into leaving.
0: They're dead. It's a little late to be neurotic.
1: So they're calling on Beetlejuice.
0: Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice!
1: Who's no ordinary ghost.
0: You don't want his
1: help. Can you be scary? What do you think of this? Ah! Now, the party's over. You want somebody out of the house? I want to get somebody out here. <laughs> but the fun ah. has just begun. It's showtime. <laughs> Learn to throw your voice, for your friends, fun at party. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> yeah, this is amazing. You want a cigarette? Oh, no, thank you. Oh, yeah, here I come, baby. He's guaranteed to put some life... Attention, shoppers. ...in your afterlife. Michael Keaton is Beetlejuice. And the ghost with the most, babe.
0: We are in our very plush little studio here, and we are getting ready to talk about Beatle Juice. Bored of the scripts he was getting after his breakout success with Pee-Wee's Big Adventure, Tim Burton was eventually sent a horror movie script about a ghost who murders an entire family. Zany. (laughs) Burton loved it, but mostly as a framework to inject his own sensibilities. He and a couple of other writers turned it into a weird, half-family-friendly, half-German-expressionist sitcom circus, complete with a titular performance by his future Batman. Beetlejuice tells the story of the Maitlands, a young married couple in love, who take a spill off a bridge and die. They are imprisoned in their own house, and that's when the Dietzes move in. Tacky, corporate New Yorkers who have the one thing they've always wanted, a daughter. The thing the Maitlands wanted. The Dietzes don't seem to want Mm -mm. their daughter. When When they can't scare them out of the house themselves, the Maitlands turn to Beetlejuice, a fallen ghost who does not follow the social norms of the living or the dead. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Like, what is Beetlejuice? What's his deal? <laughs> I was trying to figure that out the whole time. I don't know that this movie ever accurately establishes who or what Beetlejuice is and exactly what his deal is. It's another one of those movies in the vein of, say, your Independence Day, where Will Smith doesn't show up until 45 minutes in. And then just
1: Will Smith's all over the place for the yeah, entire time.
0: Most of this movie does not have Beetlejuice yeah. in it. Yeah. But when he, I think that. They don't know how to say his name for like the first 45 minutes of the Be- movie. Beetlegeist? <laughs> the ethelge. Yeah, it like they do, Beetlejuice is never fully explained. He's just a weird guy who looks bad and he's, he's gross looking for he, sure. He's gross looking, he's sleazy, like and, and, but like for some reason he has like special rules tied to him that other ghosts have, don't have to abide by. He is clearly a ghost, right? Because the yeah. the head of the ghosts or whatever says that Beetlejuice was her assistant mm-hmm. and then he went too far, but they never explain why he is bound by the rules he's bound. He appears in that weird model they have of the town. It's never explained why, when he's not in action, he has to hang out in that town. I mean, even
1: to like the tiny details where Lydia, Winona Ryder, is trying to decide if she should bring him out, and uh, she's like, well, just tell me your name. He's like, well, you know, if I do, then
0: uh, you'll tell all your
1: friends. Like, You are making up rules right now, bro, just so we can get that fake beetle.
0: Yeah, like, why can't he tell people his name? But he can, like, show them a big beetle and then say, like, that's my name? Like, it doesn't, I, I do not understand the rules of Beetlejuice. That said, I'm fine with it.
1: What, it. what it reminded me a lot of is... Taylor. Yeah.
0: It reminded me a lot of Taylor, yeah. our wacky
1: friend. Is um, Robin Williams as the genie from Aladdin. Yes. yes. Uh, and in, in a lot of ways, I think that this performance is deserves more credit, because right. Robin Williams gets a ton of credit, but uh, also, both performances don't look too closely at either one of them uh-huh. because what they're doing is they're letting two stars who are good at their job go off and then sort of saying, yeah, whatever. You know, we'll just, <laughs> we'll do it around them.
0: That's, I I appreciate there this is movie. There's a pervasive feeling of yeah, whatever yes. in this movie. Yeah. I, I appreciate this movie for knowing a thing that I think most, a lot of modern movies and TV do not understand, which is, you have a character like this. When is enough enough mm-hmm. of this character? And they sprinkle just enough where I'm like, okay, I like what this guy's doing. He's bringing a real zany energy, but not enough that I'm like, "Oh fuck, just give me give me something else."
1: Right. I mean, Aladdin has way less Robin Williams than you would think based right. on the legend. Uh, and so maybe you want more. You feel like you want more, but every time he's on, th- like 30 seconds before he leaves, you're like, "Oh, this is way too much." You know?
0: One thing about the Genie is that he's a lot but he's kind of charming. Mm -hmm. Beetlejuice is a lot, and then he's awful. He's gross. And I'm sorry, I have to do it. Apologies to Mike, listening, wherever you are around the world.
1: With Beetlejuice, probably.
0: Probably sitting there with Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice leaning in like, oh, hey, buddy, hope this goes well for me. I have to say, or I have to ask you, how does, he's supposed to be gross, he's supposed to be awful, but he's supposed to be gross and awful in 88. How does he look in 2019, a date that probably back then seemed totally fictional?
1: Uh, flying cars and laser guns. Yeah. Uh, I would say that a lot of it that I was grossed out by still made sense to me uh-huh. with the character and with the time. You know? Because you have to, I mean, we got in this It's a Wonderful Life argument yes. six months ago. You have we, to... Which we still
0: not... Ha- we have not recovered from. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> still, like... A rift has torn yeah. the
1: center. <laughs> um, so I think that the Gina Davis and Winona Ryder treatment of Beetlejuice, I mean, he is basically goosing... A woman
0: and like humping, like grabbing yeah. and humping, and it, then in the meantime wants to much.
1: wants to marry a fifteen year old girl.
0: Yeah, you know what? Hey, guys, I'm gonna come out right, right to the front. Don't do that. You <laughs> know know what? That's not good. Taylor. That's a point for Taylor. The, I knew child it. brides wrong. I knew <laughs> all about it. that, and I think
1: that any director and performer in '88 would probably do those same things. Uh, the thing that surprised me watching this time is that Beetlejuice, every once in a while, maybe three times, um, has this <laughs> uh, like Jewish voice where he says offensively Jewish things uh-huh. while talking. Yeah. He'll just break into this old man Jew character. He also
0: has a right. a strongly Italian one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that one's aged maybe a little bit better because I feel like right now, the Italian persona is like a liner. Like we're watching it become passe to do Italian voice, yeah. but it's still okay now.
1: Because Green Book didn't fix racism. It just made us think that, being racist to Italians is also <laughs> okay. bad.
0: Ryan, I'm glad that you brought up Green Book, because I propose that this movie is Green Book for dead people. Okay, <laughs> give it to me. All right, listen. Th- the it Green Book
1: for the recently deceased?
0: It, it's all about the the entire conflict. Is just, how are these dead people going to hang out with these living people? And then at the end, they found out dead people are just like us, everybody. <laughs> and, but, but they don't ad- address the real hard root issues of the time. Like, those ghosts, maybe they maybe they are uh, people who got decapitated. What are you going to do with those ghosts? Not all ghosts, everybody. Not all ghosts. Said, not all ghosts. I would have
1: loved if, in the beginning of the movie, uh, Delia Dietz saw, like, a glass move an inch, and she just threw it away. Like, oh, we can't have this in my house. It was touched by a ghost.
0: And Lydia's supposed to be 15 in this, because one thing, not that 15 is any more appropriate— but Winona Ryder looks like she's 12 in this. Mm-hmm. Like, she could be anywhere from 12 to 16. Okay, so I proposed Winona Ryder on the Hot Girls show. Now Rushmore. do you understand our uh, reaction? She was 18 at the time. I've seen Beetlejuice now, and I understand the reaction that I received when I proposed that. Yeah, I think the older you get, the younger young people look. So now, someone who is 18, to me, does look 12. But they also, they made her look like yeah. she was 12. And so then... To have the crux of the movie be is she gonna marry this really creepy guy who spits in his jacket and will just hand you worms you gotta say that for that? later <laughs> uh, th- was it just rubbed the wrong way, which
1: is weird too because and I get how it rubs the wrong way because there's a background of this movie that is all about like the DMV of the afterlife uh-huh. and it's all about the rules and then Beetlejuice. Clearly doesn't follow the rules, but also makes them up. So no one said that in order, I'll get out of this thing, but unfortunately you have to marry me. Uh, he made that shit up. He yeah, just said, like, sorry, I, lady, you got to marry me.
0: It's funny. I had a strong feeling watching the two last two Avengers movies that the Infinity Gauntlet and the Infinity Stones don't have as many rules as people act like they do? (laughs) Like, that Thanos just decided, and then when I snap, everyone dies, because that's the rule he made up. Or if you take it off my hand, then you can just have the power. I think these are like self-limiting rules that people put on themselves. They're like, because there's nothing in the rule book that says you have to snap with the gauntlet. (laughs) There's nothing in the rule book that says that this Beetlejuice has to marry a dog or whatever.
1: (laughs) All superheroes in the Marvel Universe love West Side Story. So they know that all fights begin with some snapping.
0: <laughs> Especially Endgame becomes so much about, like, we got to keep this dude from snapping his fingers. <laughs> yeah. No matter what, don't let him snap those bad boys.
1: If he puts on the glove and just thinks the thing that he wants, uh-huh. it'll happen. But no, yeah. they're keeping the middle finger from the thumb so hard. He can
0: travel all the way across the universe. Okay, but how about uh, Keaton's performance when we're talking about Beetlejuice? So this is definitely the Beetlejuice question. So... Regardless of how it holds up in terms of like the mores of modern times, I think this is the role that you want as an actor if you feel like you can just go wild. Like he's able to do whatever the fuck he wants, Uh and it seems like he's having a blast with it. And Uh I enjoy, I enjoy that for him. I have heard, I don't know if this is true or not because there's so much. When I put together the trivia questions, which I did for today's show, and if you're a Patreon listener, you get to hear that segment. uh, There's obviously a lot of bullshit when I'm like looking through the trivia of, of, of this stuff. Uh, but one of the things I heard is that he improvised 90% of his lines. That doesn't seem like bullshit because a yeah. lot of times he is just absolutely spouting very funny, but total nonsense. Yeah. It's like, and I think that's how they came up with part of the plot for the movie. Once, uh-huh. Like Ryan's right. He, like, I think not only was Beetlejuice making up the rules, Michael Keaton was making up the rules. He's like, ah, I got to marry you.
1: <laughs> and yeah, I think that Tim Burton was just so stoked to have a star on the set that like, he oh, was yeah. like well, I, I, cause he's, A name, whatever he says goes right. Like it must be correct.
0: What do you guys say? You say Michael Keaton in this or Michael Keaton in multiplicity?
1: Ooh, multiplicity has that fourth clone where he's very stupid. I
0: like pizza. I like it. What is multiplicity? I
1: will say this about, and I like, I really like Beetlejuice still. Yeah. So all of my shit talking, I feel like I just get like, uh, you know, you can ignore it. Um, This and uh, I got the same impression from Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man earlier in the season. What? Seemed like very elevated, iconic performances. I can now see much more of the work involved, yeah, and the tryhardiness and the want to Ryan. win an award or you know do something very special. Uh, I can now see Michael Keaton and Dustin Hoffman's gears turning way more than I used. To. They're not as much like uh, overtaken by a different character uh-huh. that the that the reputation might suggest.
0: I do have to say, uh, it seems like Michael Keaton was right when he thought to himself this movie will sink or swim based on how I do. Mm -hmm. And I think that that shows in his performance. And Burton's directing, too. Yeah, he's trying so freaking hard all the time because if you have a lukewarm performance by him in that role, what even is the rest of the movie? There's not really a primary conflict in the movie. So, like, like, watching the movie, I was like, oh, yeah, if Beetlejuice wasn't here... I don't know what we would be watching happen. And that's why he is the titular character in a movie that he appears in for, like, 30 minutes at the most.
1: In Burton's first movie, he, like, there's the loosest of hero's journeys. You know, this weird guy has to save a bike or find his own bike. But, I mean, that is really just so he, uh, Burton can just do whatever he wants. That's from his
0: early movie, Dude, Where's My Bike? Right. And you know what that means, everybody? Shut your... Shut your fucking face so that we can move on to the next segment, which is just for Patreon listeners. And guys, it's going to be trivia, so you're not going to want to miss that.
1: Hey, guys. Ryan from Pop Filter here, interrupting this show to thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. While I've got you, I just want to remind you real quick of the best way to get the shows every single week. Please search for the shows on iTunes or Stitcher, Overcast, whatever your pod app is. And download and subscribe so we can make sure you're getting those shows every week. Also, if you've got the time, rate, review. That's how we bring new listeners to the shows. Okay? Search for Superhero Hour Hour, which is our show where we cover every single TV show based on a comic book. And Writer's Block, where Mike Gravano sits down with writers and talks about process and other things like that. And then stay tuned because very soon we are going to bring you the OCD where Mike and I talk about every episode of The OC, the greatest television show of all time, and Movie of the Year, where we here at Pot Filter will sit down with math and science and figure out exactly what is the best movie that came out in every single year. Thank you. Hey, Daddy,
0: I want your Golden Goose. Here we go again.
1: All right, sweetheart, all right. Daddy will get you a Golden Goose as soon as we get home.
0: No, I- twenty dollars in my pocket we are going shopping everybody we're gonna just mosey on through this movie and pick up a few of the things that we like and we're gonna take them home with us because this movie is our catalog of wonderful delights going first is gonna be our guest and challenger t-money it's me! It's you! It's T-Money! All right, then I'm going to pick something that um, I think is... Um, I, I think it's easily the best thing on the entire movie, and you guys are stupid for letting me take first. Oh, no. I want a death by drowning after driving off of a bridge. <laughs> that I, I absolutely want to <laughs> buy that. Like, that seems it,
1: so dope. The experience, or what you're purchasing now, is that whenever you're about to die, this is how you will die?
0: Yeah, or, or like if... Uh, it, I mean, if it has to happen right now, then yeah, I'll take that too. But like, most millennials just want to die. It's It just, it's, it seems so chill. Well, you know what you got to do? You have to get in your car, you have to drive over a bridge, and then you have to... Marry me with my money. Get buried with your money, man. That's the only way to do it. That's where the Maitland's... Went wrong. Uh, you know, I think that's probably why they were ghosts and didn't just get to go to the afterlife. It's so, also
1: crazy that with all of our John Wickiness society and internet love, for, like, we just love dogs now. When I was a kid, that uh, wasn't the case. Uh, the dog is like the biggest villain in the movie. He won't stay. He won't be a good, good boy. He just runs away and they die.
0: Yeah. And man, th- what a realistic looking car crash. Right. <laughs> that is definitely the way that station wagon would have performed under those Absolutely. circumstances. <laughs> all right, so Death by Drowning for Taylor... Uh, that's off the board. Nobody else can Bummer. take that. No, nobody now, else can take it. You guys gave me first pick. Ryan, what are you going to pick up from this movie? The actual
1: real first pick. And there's so many things I can do with... Uh, is it the handbook for the recently diseased? Yes. Deceased. Deceased. Ryan, um, I think you know that. Is, I, like, I can use it for good. I can use it for evil. But also I can keep it out of the hands of the Othos of the world. Mm-hmm. Who don't have the control. And it seems like Winona Ryan. who have but,
0: like, a tremendous amount of power.
1: Right. The Monona writers of the world seem to understand it. I feel like I'm basically a Lydia Dietz. Yeah, for sure. You're definitely
0: the Lydia of this group.
1: For sure. I want that goddamn handbook. And also, I understand stereo instruction, so it's not going to be hard for me.
0: You could read that all day, and you'd be like, oh, yeah, I totally get it. I love little tiny things, and I always have. And so what I'm going to buy, I'm going to go right in, and I'm going to scoop up. That model of the town. Oh, that yeah. model of the town is so good. I don't know what it is, but like remember in uh Back to the Future, he's got like a little model of how like the going back to the Future is gonna work with like, like
1: He apologizes for not having time to paint.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> I just every time I see that, I guess it's the DD player in me. I'm just like, oh shit, dude, that's like scale model. <laughs> that's so cool. Follows the very important rules of model stuff, which is if you are little. And you get into a little car; it will just operate. <laughs> yeah, like it's just gonna work. You don't have to worry about that.
1: Do you, as a what type of D D player are you? Do you want that town as it looks right now, or do you want all the material so you could sit there and build it yourself?
0: Oh, I'm definitely the guy who wants it pre-built, and then I, I just want to. D- I want to like make my module work with what I have, not mil- not build something new based on my module. I want to build it by myself. I want it to take five years, and uh-huh. I don't want to see a single other soul while I do it. <laughs> it's, hard. To <laughs> it's hard for me. I always just want to spend time planning what actually happens in my games, not building things. So I'm going to look over the first round, and I'm going to see who won this first round, and it's definitely going to be Taylor. Taylor. Are you kidding hey, yeah. me right now? Death by Drowning, that's wonderful. Who yeah, wouldn't? we all want that for Taylor. It's now good. Are we doing Serpentine? Do I have the first pick? It's your turn, bud. All right. Beetlejuice makes several sartorial choices that I am 100% behind. One of them for me definitely is just a bunch of spikes that stick out of your body. Yeah. I'm a big personal space guy, but I'm not very confrontational. I think nothing says like, hey, could you give me a little room? Like suddenly shooting out thousands of metal spikes from your body. I love that for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna cover myself in these metal spikes, and then if I I'm on the train or like when I was in line for Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland, I just felt like there's too many folks around me. Just pop out those metal spikes. Whoever survives knows like okay, you got to give me a couple steps. Okay,
1: Greg, but clearly I have the power to handle the handbook. Do you have the power and like the 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 skill to pop them out? Because if everybody's around you in line, you pop those out. Eight uh-huh. people are dying.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, you know, that that's that's just how it is. That's how it is when you get her done. When you get her done with large metal spikes that pop out of your body. And will I abuse it? I think we all know that I'll, yes, I'm gonna yeah. abuse it. You, you guys gave me this soundboard, and I never stopped poking at it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably do the metal spikes mid show stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you're gonna, you're gonna be hot dogging those things. If someone tries to get too close to my tiny model town, metal spikes.
1: I also love how you built one for the drop pad, so it has metal spikes too whenever it wants.
0: Metal spikes. All right, Ryan, what are you gonna get in the second round?
1: Going with this, how we're working with models, how um, they are small but also work, <laughs> yep. um, and also maybe might be big. Uh, I am taking the inferno room. Barbara gets pissed off at Adam uh-huh. that he built a ghouls-only whorehouse right in the <laughs> middle of his... The like, best little whorehouse in ghoul town. <laughs> She's
0: like, why the fuck did she build this? It's so disturbing. But she knew,
1: right? There's no way. Yeah. Something else... With all the sh- chicanery that's in this movie, there's no way that... But she has to say, like, Adam, why would you build that? Uh, I want one in my model town that is just that. That is also... I can go into whenever I want and hook up with some ghouls. Just
0: ghouls. go in there just hook up with a ghoul. <laughs> ghoul. All right, Taylor, what are you going to get? All right, so I I also love the fashion in this movie. So I'm gonna take some of those little fuckable dork glasses that <laughs> like Baldwin is wearing. He's he's just got <laughs> little stupid glasses that that obviously have no prescription at all, and none at all. And then even as a ghost, he is constantly fumbling to put on his face. Oh no! I just I just want the glasses because I want to be able to like take them off and like clean them off on my shirt and uh-huh. like put them back on. <laughs> and everyone's like, you know what? Yeah, he's he's
1: nerdy, but I would. And classic Beetlejuice moment: he's got eye fingers, and yeah. then puts it like has to look through <laughs> the glasses through his fingers. Alec
0: Baldwin really never finds it in this movie; he right. just doesn't know what he's supposed to do. He's playing a character that's too different from Alec Baldwin. He can't bring that like aggressive humor to it. It's Rick Moranis.
1: So, yeah, yeah, that's
0: exactly the kind of character it is. So uh, his only defining trait is he's got those glasses. He's got those glasses. He's, just, that, he's the kind of character who has those glasses.
1: And I guess the slightest amount of teasing, so slight that no. No one believes it for a second. Uh-huh. That's his character trait.
0: Well, I'm looking over this second round, and Ryan, you gotta go with them ghost whores because got- <laughs> that's just—they'll do things that other ghosts and, frankly, other whores simply will not do. They also
1: didn't seem to mind the fact that when Beetlejuice was walking in, he was wearing the spike suit. They're like, yeah, "Yeah, whatever. It's the inferno room." It, yeah. it was
0: so clear that that was just a two-dimensional set. <laughs> And uh, that Beetlejuice had to make it look like he was getting closer to it. So he just kind of sidles back and forth in front of it like, oh boy, I'm going in here. When this cuts away, you know I'll be walking through this door in my spike suit. Hey <laughs> ladies, here I come getting no closer to you. All right, so does Taylor go f- Taylor goes first. Serpentine, how does it work? <laughs> I'll never quite understand. Who can say? All right, then in that case, I am going to take for my next pick. I would like a job at a
1: hardware store. Ha <laughs> ha I think that that would be fun. What a magical item that you need to wait for this segment in order to figure out how to get.
0: Because it seems like he's having a great time. He needs some He needs some tools. He just runs down, and he takes them. And it took me a while. I was like, is he just a petty thief? Yeah. No. He owns the hardware store. Yeah. They don't introduce that they're called the Maitlands before he goes into a hardware store called the Maitlands. So it looks like he just does a little light B and E while the while the barber next door just does nothing except talk about the Pony Express.
1: Also, a perfect name for some reason for a hardware store. Like Maitland is exact. Oh yeah, I like, remember Binford from tools yes. Ch- from Home Improvement. They named that's exactly what tools are named. Just- Binford
0: for tools. Just a good ass name. Okay, Ryan. So the the job at the hardware store is taken. What would you like?
1: Well, the owner, right? I could still be like an assistant manager yeah. or something. Um, but I am taking, and this sounds crazy. I know. I have a hectic house. I've got a pet. Is there broom? But now that I've watched Gina Davis be able to punch and then learn how to ride a sandworm, I would like a sandworm.
0: God, I, those sandworms are so nice. Sandworms, am I right? <laughs> it sandworms. is nice. When you are dealing with the desert, you have to embrace desert power. Exactly. So, <laughs>
1: And now I'm not scared to go out the front door anymore. I'll just text my sandworm and yeah. he'll give me a ride to the other side of the desert. They
0: didn't do the in-depth, like, how you have to hook yourself onto the sandworm mm-hmm. before you can ride it. Uh, what do they call the tanworms? Tony Yeah, <laughs> I guess <laughs> is what they're called. All right. So I have the last pick in this dang old draft. And you guys are going to think that I'm messing with you, but... I know it's supposed to be a really stupid thing. I know everything that happens in the home design standpoint is supposed to be really stupid. But there's one thing that I liked even when I was a kid, and I know it's dumb. I know I wouldn't like it in real life, but I want it so bad. It's the deck that just has the one wall. Right? That looks so cool. I don't understand. It's so stupid and dumb, and that's why I think I love it. Yeah. Could you imagine if you had a deck? You put a wall on it so you just can't see out that direction. But I don't know. Maybe you have like neighbors that you don't want to look at and you don't want them looking at your gross body. In but the, the sun. wall still has a window. So the you can decide to look at them, it's but it's a, not forced upon you. Such a weird postmodern petty thing. Yeah. And I, I I agree. It's great. Almost everything else that Mrs. Dietz and Otho do looks stupid and is terrible. Do you not like the TV static wall paint? No, but. I absolutely have to get this one wall that is on the deck, and I I win that round. Good news, everybody. The guy that hosts the show is just racking up the fucking points. I
1: really thought hardware store job was going to take that down. Ryan,
0: what is everybody walking with? What do we each individually have now?
1: Oh, uh, Taylor, you have death by drowning, Yep, which makes sense because of your hardware store job and your little glasses. Yeah. I have the handbook for the recently deceased, the Inferno Room, and a sandworm. And Greg, you have the entire town model. Yep. Uh, you have the, your spike suit.
0: Yeah, great.
1: And you have that one wall deck. All right. You,
0: you guys are so foolish. I am looking. You don't at, have a job to pay for any of this. I am looking at our halls, and of course, I think listeners at home say it along with me. Taylor, Taylor clearly won that of with his tiny glasses. I've got tiny glasses. <laughs> this is job, a farce. job, and death. Job this the is an entire farce.
1: This is insane. <laughs>
0: All right. When we come back, we're going to get to our last question of the evening. We are back, and let's roll the big wheel of questions.
1: Oh, shit. Bankruptcy. No whammies, no whammies.
0: Juice. All right. Movies like Men in Black, Coco, and John Wick stand out in part because they show real-life bureaucracy in fantasy worlds. How does Beetlejuice, the granddaddy of them all, handle the behind the scenes of the afterlife?
1: I think that this is actually probably its biggest boon. Like, I think this is the thing that is the most impressive about the movie. We don't. Yeah, this ride. is the idea that really had legs. Right. right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we have the families blending, and we have uh, Michael Keaton going off, and Michael Keaton gets most of the you know the remembrance and the points. But how they handle it's not just how they handle it, uh, but it's the amount. I yeah. think so many of the movies especially the sequels of the movies that you mentioned, uh, just are way down. They think like, oh, we had a spark of an idea. Let's just make it all about that now.
0: John Wick is the, is the most confusing of all of those. They're like, we know what people really want. The inner workings of this assassin stuff.
1: Right. And Not necessarily. We loved, we loved that it was there in the first one. And then also guessing a little bit. Not we did not want the like the documentary the, of the behind the scenes. By
0: the third one, parabellum, it's mostly about the ladies who take the phone calls and then announce whether or not you're gonna be assassinated. Also,
1: did you notice who the last lady who took the phone call was? Who? It was Robert oh, Lord Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> it was the, the penguin. The penguin, yeah. right?
0: Man, he's the sexiest of all those ladies. I imagine they don't show whether they all the ladies in that room wear the same blouse and skirt. And they don't show whether or not he's wearing the skirt, but I was getting very strong first season of The Next Generation vibes, where the guys also just wear the skirt, because why not? It's the fucking future. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Sexy Penguin was wearing a skirt in that scene. It also in sho- some.
1: It shows you the weird world that we live in with Superhero Hour Hour, whereas like one of our biggest favorite stars uh, gets like two lines in an actual movie that people go see. I was like, like, he's l- done nothing. I
0: was like looking around the theater like, can you guys <laughs> believe what this, right? this is? And everyone oh. was like... Bro, I don't know who you are. I don't know who that is. And stop looking at me and my fucking kid, okay? I feel like most people were like, I don't even know what movie I'm at. (laughs) What the fuck are you doing? But
1: Uh, I love Juno. Juno is one of the characters. She's like uh, the person that you want to go see. Yes. Uh, She's the one who like if anybody fits into the rules as they were in this movie, Uh she's the one that does it the best. And she also has that thing, and the bureaucracy has that thing of. So you're at the DMV. That's all you really have to do. Now you can get things done. That's not true. You still have no idea what's yeah. going on. You know, It's still lines and tickets and everything.
0: Otho early on says that if you commit suicide, then in the afterlife you will be a civil servant. And that's when you're like, this guy doesn't know anything about anything. But turns out that's 100% true. Yeah. So everybody that he's dealing with there, that they're dealing with there, has killed themselves. Mm-hmm. And you can see that side. Like, the head lady has like has obviously slit her own throat. Miss Argentina. The beauty queen slit her own wrist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I did really appreciate uh, the guy who was flattened by a truck. Oh, uh, dude. <laughs> the fact that he's just hanging around. And
1: he's clearly, like, lower level. Yeah. And so he clearly has lower level pun jokes. Like, yeah. he's still trying to make it fresh for him and make it interesting.
0: He's feeling a little flat. That is, it's so horrible to think of that. Like when we think of death, we people like us are excited by it because it's just rest. It's just rest from what a terrible place the world is. Well, shit! And now I want to drown. One of the terrible right? things is bureaucracy, and another one is small talk. It is so awful to imagine that you will die and you will be caught up in a bureaucracy where people make the same fucking jokes about their own condition for over eternity over that guy all the time says that he is feeling flat and all the time he wants people to laugh that is such a burden the idea that you would have to I want to be a lost soul. There is a way in this universe where you are just like screaming in the void nonstop. That's better than having to talk with I'm feeling Mr. Flat.
1: Because we don't go in that room of the lost souls. No. We see it from the outside. So it, it looks horrifying and they look like they're in pain, but we can't hear what they're saying. If we were in there, they might be saying, like, what up? This is great. I don't know do anything. For in the meantime, we have all of history's dead people is in the afterlife, right? And still, there's nowhere near enough people to like do the job of bureaucracy. Like uh-huh. that thing stands from life to afterlife is they have ten percent of the employees that they actually need.
0: The waiting room has four people in it, and then the number that Beetlejuice gets at the end is like nine trillion. Yes. It's so big. I think my favorite part of the bureaucracy is something that's not even totally related to the bureaucracy, which is just the football team that all died. Yeah, and the way they keep calling Juno you know, Coach, Coach, <laughs> and hey Coach, where's the men's room? Hey Coach, where's the restroom? In lo- true
1: eighties fashion, we they got their uh, right due at the end when uh, Lydia flies in the air and starts dancing, and then they appear. The people that we cared about the most clearly in the movie, Love the it. dead football team, they're all back. I now.
0: have a question about Juno. Yeah, Juno's the name of like a Roman goddess, and I think Beetlejuice might also be from Roman mythology. Aww. Were the people in charge of the afterlife like Roman gods?
1: If you have a question ah. for Juno, Alaska, God, to... I'm
0: gonna fucking leave. I fucking hate you. You are my biggest enemy. You are the Beetlejuice of this podcast. Producer Dave, lock the lock the studio. <laughs> um, lock, lock the gates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that that it might be that like the Romans made up the afterlife, and since then everyone's just been bound by it. In yeah. the same way That's, that... That seems right. The Romans loved paperwork. <laughs> Notoriously. What a good
1: dibs, though. Like, realizing that nobody else has done this yet, oh, let's get let's get on this.
0: Kind of related to the afterlife stuff, what is with this handbook for the deceased and, like, who can parse it and who can't? What do you think, like, the movie is trying to say about that? Yeah, Was that trying to say that, like... It, I, I took two things from it. Either the Maitlands are big dum-dums and do not know how to read. Specifically Mrs. Maitland, who... We haven't done a lot of like hey let's talk about the women in this movie but Gina Davis's character is basically just there to hang out and to like question what Alec Baldwin is doing and like, and then to punch a sandworm in the face and yeah. to like
1: constantly give off the mom vibe yeah, like that's yeah. who we are, are ultimately rooting for the most except for Lydia because she so desperately wants a daughter but that like that's her entire character but she basically
0: looks at that book and she's like reading makes my brain hurt no <laughs> yeah. thanks it, it was either that or it was that they were too like goody two-shoes, two-shoes Nor- so? I think it's Normcore yeah, yeah I yeah.
1: think the, the key is Lydia how yeah. she clearly understands it and she herself is a Dark and strange person. Is that what yeah. she says? Like, yeah, so
0: she understands dark and strange phenomena. Yeah, so she right.
1: it, like whatever you need. You can't be old. You can't be normal. Maybe old is fine, but normal uh, won't work. It will just appear boring, I guess.
0: Yeah, and, and that was the thing that I think I took away from it. But it then I'm wondering what's up with Otho. That he can. Because, he, see, here's what I think is that you can't be normcore. You have to be an outsider. Right. And this movie has this weird thing where it celebrates outsiders, but then at the same time is like, well, not all outsiders. But, well, I think it says yeah. there's a
1: line. Yeah. So, like, Lydia is the key. Like, she's in the middle of the Venn diagram, but uh, the Maitlands are too normal, but we still root for them. The Ditas are actually too normal in all their weirdness because this is the 80s. And then Otho is okay. Beetlejuice goes too far. Otho is a little too far and then becomes the villain. You have to be Lydia. And that's what the last scene shows us is that now Lydia is perfectly, the perfect amount of weird. She's uh, not going to cross any lines and everyone is now accepting. And
0: isn't that kind of like Tim Burton's role in like society almost? He's just weird enough to be appealing or his, yeah. his artistic presentations are just weird enough to be appealing. He's and, hot topic weird. Yeah. Right, exactly. And
1: that's <laughs> why there's a certain type of person who is basically normal weird and then really like is covered in like Nightmare Before Christmas stickers and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Speaking of that movie, did you guys notice that when um, Beetlejuice like becomes a carousel that at the top of that carousel is basically Jack Skellington's head? What? No. I did not realize that. Obviously those things exist in the same universe. (laughs) (laughs) The Burtonverse? Question mark. Uh, Do you think it's still a fresh take on the afterlife now that it has had like a bunch of I don't know copiers do you think that this is still like a fresh look at all this yeah
1: i haven't seen anything that makes this look like rote or crusty uh-huh. like, I, I still think that you can definitely see yeah. people who and even the examples that you gave um have stolen the bureaucracy yeah. but this one feels like it's the thing they focused on the most this was the time where they did not say michael keaton do whatever you want this was like very well thought out
0: yeah and it it's interesting. It, it became the center of Ryan. the entire movie, and I'd really think a movie that is constantly moving in so many different directions all at the same time—it really seems to be the one thing that is like consistently the same throughout. This idea of that you will die, and that even in death, you'll still have to deal with these awful parts of being human. Yeah. Whereas I, Coco does shows you that there are some good things as well. This is just like no, it's just it's just awful. It's just it's, it's just, just paperwork. Yeah, I think it's not quite played out. Like it still feels. Fresh and like I think because there's not quite as many things that have done it, but I think it's becoming a more common thing with like especially on TV where we had like the good places start sort of doing this now and that like uh, Miracle Workers or whatever that like Daniel Radcliffe and Steve Buscemi show Uh, was was kind of similar. Okay, dude, Taylor that that show and that that book by Simon Rich is kind of like okay, but that show Miracle Workers, check it out. That's very good, very funny. And going to get your Steve Buscemi fix. I got it. Get- <laughs> oh, what no! the hell is going on? You know what that means. We done going to move on to a speed round. What is with the music in this movie? Deo shakes Nora. Man, smart. Women, smarter. Can we finally deal with the Bella in the room? Um, a Bella Fonte, that says good Fonte in Italian, and that's what I think of it. I think uh, good fountain. <laughs> you got your wish, how You died. Man. It's me, Mario.
1: Do <laughs> you ever watch Drop Pad, the robot in the corner, like go and you think it's going to give you a point and then he <laughs> just <laughs> says something different? <laughs>
0: yep. <laughs> real real low. Uh, you I have think... to watch the robot in the corner do Drop Pad because sometimes the robot will go to do something and then just not be able to find the button he's looking for and then that moment just passes.
1: I think this movie uh, is trying to say a lot about eras. And since there's not a lot to Adam and the Maitlands in general, they have to add as much as possible. And that's one of the ways. This
0: is like his glasses. Like Ryan. His other characteristic is that he likes this this music.
1: And if this movie came out now and this character was listening to uh, Belafonte, it would be like uh, the guy in Get Out saying, I would have voted for oh. Obama again. Oh, yeah. But b- one, back then it feels genuine.
0: 100%. Ryan. Ghost sex. When you have a married couple and they're ghosts together, shouldn't you talk about ghost sex? Yeah, you should. Why didn't they? <laughs> I I just, I think it's interesting.
1: Well, they can still touch each other, right? They can still yes, touch, mean, like, they are, touch each other. you mean, like, is it time for an open ghost marriage and to have sex with other ghosts? Because Miss Argentina, despite being, or because of being green, has got it going on.
0: Uh-huh. I, I disagree. Just, I, I don't like green.
1: They they are <laughs> it's shown... It's an
0: unappetizing color.
1: They are shown to be a
0: very loving couple, and they are sort of hounded by the strictures of their existence inside that the house now. And I just would have liked to see the very next thing, which was like, because bang. I have to say if, I, if I'm a ghost and I got my ghost wife with me,
1: dude, it's bang time. yeah, we're just gonna bang. bang
0: and easily that's... could have been ghost brother and sister in this film yes,
1: also with, does that mean there's a scene where like we saw them Shame. uh both stretch out their heads to be scary? Uh-huh. both went for like. Uh, weird chickens, by the way. I don't yeah. know what that was. It You've seen other animals, say. right, they, guys? They both look like the the black and white spy from Spy versus. Yes, spy.
0: <laughs> yes, for sure.
1: But so does that mean yeah. that they can do that to not scare? Like, can Alec Baldwin? Make his penis look like a chicken, or can Gina Davis get a oh, big fat butt? Oh man,
0: you guys! I want to be, I want to die, I want to drive my car off a bridge, I want to become a ghost, I want to have ghost sex. That sounds so cool. I know what Gina Davis would do because it's '88. She wouldn't make her butt bigger. She wouldn't make her bust bigger. She would just make her hair hair bigger, yeah. way <laughs> way bigger, so, so that it's like filling the whole room, fucking like Medusa. <laughs> it looks from like the, the fucking <laughs> chick from the. All right.
1: With my wife, I think it would be my tummy. I would stretch out. Make your tummy
0: even bigger? Yeah, she
1: gets tired. You're into like prego play? She gets tired. (laughs) My wife gets tired of like uh, too flat, makes her feel bad. Let let me see that beer gut, you know? She
0: doesn't want to be looking at them D'Angelo's for the rest of time. How does this movie do by its female characters?
1: I think that Catherine O'Hara and Gina Davis and Winona Ryder, but mostly the first two, are great casting because they can do so much with so little. Uh This movie could have been way worse if it was a couple of fucking uh, Zell wedgers up in there.
0: Yeah, I, I think that uh, the women characters aren't the most developed, but not a lot of the characters in general are the most developed. That's true.
1: Watch I, Delia, <laughs> watch Catherine O'Hara in her silent marriage with Charles, and she is doing so much hilarious stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, at the, yeah. Especially at the dinner party, she doesn't talk. Just her face is owning <laughs> a marriage without embarrassing Those, him.
0: Uh, we talked about ghost sex. Those two living humans never have and never will have sex right? right no
1: like there's not actually Separate bedrooms sex
0: in it. the only sexual creature in this movie at all is beetlejuice yeah and that's really weird because he has a very rapey vibe yeah. in the entire movie don't like it yeah maybe we shouldn't be thinking about this i did i did like the relationship between Catherine O'Hara and uh charles because that one moment where she just like fucking screams about yeah. how she's going to tear the house down around him is I uh, I don't know why Catherine O'Hara isn't the biggest star in the universe.
1: But the whole relationship is it's not like loving; it's negotiating. Like, yes, yeah. I will I will be as annoying as I can be as long as you're only annoying as this. Let's
0: make a deal, Ryan. Okay, is this film about how middle America is better than big city elites? Fuck yeah, baby, R- middle America all the way. Now it's Vermont, so that's not like middle middle America, but it, it's definitely a rural.
1: I think that the idea is is that it's supposed to, and this is a failure on the movie, but I, I, I think it still works, is that uh, you're supposed to, by the end, think that they're both fine as long as we come back to the center. Yeah. But the, the, the performances and everything really make it seem like these lame, boring Maitlands who I, like, I really don't understand as people, uh-huh. uh, they really do feel like they come from a different time, are a wrong. million times better than the Dietzes.
0: Oh, never mind. They're great. Right. I love them. <laughs> They're beautiful. Okay. I have to ask this Does the end of this movie make any sense as it's presented on the screen, or do we have to infer what happens? Because, okay, so Beetlejuice and Lydia are essentially married. They're about to be married in the very next second. But Gina Davis runs outside to purposely get the attention of a sandworm, right? And then suddenly. A sandworm busts through the roof of the house, and they clearly, I think, wanted to show that Gina Davis was like
1: riding the sandworm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But
0: they didn't have.
1: Well, what happened is that she got uh, booted, right? Like uh-huh. Beetlejuice threw her out. She's in the middle of the desert. Uh, and they,
0: that brings the sandworms. If you are a ghost and you're outside of where you're supposed to be,
1: but she hears the call of the sandworm. Okay. Because what we didn't talk about is that worm sandworms sign. have this like yes. piercing scream.
0: Yeah, worm sign.
1: I don't know if that that's how Dune works, but. Uh, and then she hears it, and she turns around to face it with this face that's very like. Uh, mom lift a car off of her baby. Uh-huh. And so I think it's still that uh, like daughter thing of I will do whatever it takes to punch Jaws or like King Kong in the face and then again, because uh-huh. that's the second time, and then write it in so the sandworm knows exactly where to drop in the house where it hurts no one but Beetlejuice.
0: Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think we have to do a lot of. Of inferring for the because it's never addressed that like sandworms can kill Beetlejuice or like uh-huh. what's going on like like how, like that was his end or anything yeah that's
1: the stuff you have to ignore
0: yeah <laughs> all all of that stuff I'm like uh ah, I get gu- I guess we're good now <laughs> I guess I guess we did it I guess yeah I guess that's that's mission accomplished <laughs> I guess we've seen the movie at my right. wedding
1: uh my mom was the same oh, did you guys notice we uh Mike's dead so we're not supposed to talk about him but. Yeah. The Beetlejuice and Lydia's wedding was basically his and his wife's wedding. Like, it had (laughs) the exact same aesthetic.
0: (laughs) Well, that is the end of the speed round. We are going to take a short break here. I'm going to tabulate the scores, and I'm going to tell you who's getting that chicken dinner, because they're a winner winner. Well, that is our show. Taylor. Yes. You scored, and you're not going to believe it when I tell you this. What? You scored 27
1: what? Point. That's Which so many. I, I have to.
0: I have to have won by a lot. I think that is the highest score of anyone who's ever lost to Ryan. God damn it! Are you kidding me? Who has thirty points? It's hard. It's hard to beat I Ryan. Feel, here's the thing. I feel like every week I show up and you read the scores and you're like, "This is the highest anyone yeah. who isn't Ryan has ever scored." And every week Ryan beats me by a little bit more. <laughs> you, You pushed it to the max. I have seen
1: Beetlejuice 167,000 times, and it keeps getting funnier every time I see it. Every
0: single time! (laughs) Uh, So, okay, that's who won this. How do we think Beetlejuice is gonna do? Not well against some of the Titanic movies of eighty eight. Beetlejuice is a fine movie. We enjoyed ourselves, right? We I, loved watching it. Th- yes, but I don't think that this movie goes far in the bracket at all.
1: I I mean, like, I just think that now that we're the elite eight, we need all of it. You know, mm-hmm. y- you really need to do all of it. And there, we didn't get to a lot of the like, how Tim Burton made a movie as, like, a director. As a guy, like, calling uh, action and cut and uh, in the editing. And I think that there's a lot of this movie that is filled. Like, the spitball session for coming up with this movie was awesome. And that shows. But the filmmaking portion, it's just not there. Yeah, not yeah. not to, like, compete in this bracket.
0: And it, it doesn't, like, sync up. It's not one unified thing. The movie, like, has so much creep where everybody starts doing something a little bit differently where the message gets lost a little bit like it just it doesn't feel like ultimately it totally coheres as something with like one message it it feels like a movie that if it came out today 12 people would see it and we wouldn't even talk about it
1: and two would be you right yeah like you would buy two tickets i would buy
0: two tickets to see it but yeah it i i feel like it's one of those movies that like doesn't now that there's more movies that come out, this wouldn't even make a splash. Like, people wouldn't talk about this movie. People would talk about Splash, though. Uh, Oh, absolutely. Daryl Hannah?
1: I still love it. I still think it's great, but I definitely have a new way of talking about it after watching it in this episode, which is you don't understand how much greater it is than the sum of its parts. Because if you just look at it on paper, it's kind of a mess.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a mess, and it's in a year where there's a lot of really good movies where... We don't just remember how we felt about them as children, but still when we watch them now. You watch Die Hard now, that's still a really good movie. Akira, like I'm still reeling from our our viewing of Akira. This movie, there's not a lot left unexplored, except for what you said, Ryan, talking about the directorial choices uh, of Tim Burton. It is cheap and tries to hide the fact that it's cheap. It feels a little bit like, a horse designed by committee. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think it's a fun time at the movies. I enjoyed watching it as a kid. I enjoy watching it now. I couldn't imagine watching it again because I think I have the same thing you do where I've just seen it a lot now. It did make me want to pursue the cartoon again. <laughs> I really like the cartoon. New podcast, episode they, by episode. He had a friend named Jacques Laline who was a <laughs> skeleton weightlifter who always called them Beathle Juice, which has stuck with me for a long time. But I'm not even sure what this is going against the next round, but it feels like it's going to get just dunked on pretty hard. Yeah. But it was still fun. I'm still glad we talked about it. But the time for that has ended. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. I'm your host, Greg. Ryan was here as well, grand champion and still friend. Taylor, thanks for showing up, buddy. I was here. Next week, we will bring you big which I am on the edge of my seat for. But until then, keep watching them moving.